Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the podcast. Today we are talking about the toxic culture of better. This is one of those ambiguous kind of topics that probably everyone has an opinion on but Beck and I want to share ours with you because we think there's there's something in this that leads us to clutter our lives not only with um, physical possessions but it creates a lot of mental clutter for us as well and I think sometimes just an awareness of the issue is half the battle because then you can start recognizing how this shows up in your life. What do you think Beck? Yeah, totally. This is a topic that I'm quite passionate about and over the years I have learned just how much it contributes to our unhappiness and with and how much of a paradox it is because we have these behaviors that we engage in and these beliefs that we hold on to that we think are going to make us happy or we think contribute to happiness, but they actually have a reverse effect and they actually make us unhappy. And, you know, we're always striving for more and for better and along that journey we are miserable. And if we ever get better, um, get the better, not get better, <laughs> if we ever get the state of betterness, would we, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> I, uh, I think that... We all have this notion, and I don't know exactly when when we get it. I know we're not born with it, and I know for some people it doesn't exist, but we have this notion that happiness is at this destination, that we once we get enough or we get better um, or we mm. get more, that then we reach this oasis, this, this point where happiness exists and that we're all just, you know, on this path and at some point we're going to hit that that happiness bubble. And the problem is if you look around and talk to everyone, even the people that have more than you, no one's no one's there. Everyone is feels mm. like they're on that journey to better to try and capture the happiness. And it's just it's mind-blowing that we we live in this way and it's it's mm. crazy to think how we got ourselves into this mess. I know. And even when we're aware of it, we're still in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, we still fall into that that trap of, oh well if I if I have this then, you know, I'll be I'll be happier and I have to be better. And it, it's 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 across all areas. So it's across, you know, our, our finances, it's across our health, it's across our appearance, uh, our our social status, our possessions, everything everything is permeated by this idea that we should be striving for more and better. And you see it all the time. You see just the, just even things like, even things like what we're doing, like what we're doing now is we're perpetuating that a little bit is that your life will be better if it's more simple. You know, we're still, we're Mm. doing the same kind of thing. And there is, there is a difference between striving to, be the best kind of person that you are or and being better in somebody else's eyes or in or in our culture's eyes and we have this this vision of perhaps what life might look like if it was perfect and that's what we're all striving for and we're told what is perfect by mostly by our consumerist culture in this, I'm talking about Western here. Obviously, in other cultures, there are different ways to be better. But in our consumerist culture, the ways to be better are to have more money and to be better looking and to have, you know, um, more stuff. And those are the ways that we we think we're going to be happier if we if we achieve those things in particular. Yeah, and the heart of it is all about comparison. So if we didn't compare. Mm ourselves with other people we wouldn't know that there are other options or there are better options I mean I know that's really Mm. simplistic but you can look at um, research you know happiness quotients or whatever for people that live in third world countries and 
generally speaking, they are happier with us. And part of that is because they don't know what they're missing out on. Allegedly, mm. <laughs> you know. Allegedly, like- but I I heard a story though once. Um, it was Hugh from the Resilience Project was was talking about uh, the story of a, of a little boy that he met in Nepal. I'm hazarding guess. My memory's shocking, of course. But anyway, it was this young boy living in in poverty, um, sleeping on the streets, no family, and it was the happiest little boy that that Hugh had ever ever come across. And he actually made a point that. One of the things that this boy and his friends were grateful for was the playground equipment at their school. And the playground equipment at the school was one broken swing. And they made all these games up with this swing. And they were so they loved this swing. And they it wasn't necessarily that they didn't know any better. They did know better. The, the local high school had a whiz bang new fancy playground that these kids actually helped build. So they know that there was uh, something else out there that had more swings and more equipment and all of that, but they loved this swing so much. And I think it was for him, um, Hugh noticed it wasn't necessarily the fact that they didn't know any better. It was the fact that they were grateful for what they had Mm. and they ignored what was better. Um, So you're right, a lot of us in the West have a c- comparison issues, but it's not necessarily always the reason why we, why people are unhappy. Um, mm. It's not always comparison, but yeah, comparison is it's terrible in our in our culture. We do it all the time, and parents um, experience it even with things like parenting methods and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's there's this whole culture of you're not doing well enough. You have to do better you have to you know and mothers we we suffer oh. so badly from it. it's like <laughs> we have to work and earn money and contribute because otherwise we're just wasting our brains but we can't leave our kids with somebody else because then we're neglecting them and we can't expect our husbands to do it because they have to also earn money and they're trying their hardest anyway and um, and don't forget that you have to make sure your kids are fed the the best stuff and doing the best activities and they're achieving at school and they're happy and they have plenty of friends and don't forget you also have to be really thin yeah and, and healthy don't neglect your own health because that doesn't <laughs> yeah. set a very good example for anyone else and you should still try and maintain your attractiveness and da, 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 like the list goes on and yeah, on and on. Exactly. We're just told constantly that we're not good enough in any, anything that we do, any of us. And, you know, and it's particularly bad. It's particularly bad for women, but men are the same. You know, they're also told they're not good enough. Mm. They don't have enough money. They're not working enough hours. They don't look young enough. They, they don't contribute enough to housework. They don't, you know, all this kind of stuff. They're all being told they're not good enough as well. Everyone is. And they, our kids, especially our teenagers, they're not, they're not attractive enough. They're not popular enough. They're not, you know, I was just going to say cool enough and then I thought the only way to sound really uncool is to say the word cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's the pain. thing. Like you mentioned, our economies are based on us being dissatisfied if we were all Mm. satisfied and felt like we had enough our economies would collapse because it is all built on the idea that we can't stand still or shouldn't stand still and because and like I think the whole idea of comparison to some extent is is really natural like you want to you look around Mm. that's how you know if you're kind of on track and and that kind of thing, like kids will compare their height with other kids or compare how far they can throw a ball and that kind of thing. There's really, you know, you look at young kids mm. and they're still, they'll still make comparisons, but it's not about being better. It's just like a factual, oh, yeah, that's you, that's me, we're different, you know, like acknowledge mm. difference without striving to be the best or the, better than the others. Mm. Oh, it's tricky. instilled in us very young age though mm. so I think the idea of wanting better and like I, th- I guess Beck we should probably define when we're talking better we're talking all aspects of better like you mentioned there's yeah. you know the materialistic better but the perfect amount of stuff the perfect amount of time in our life the perfect status in our life um you know job status Mm. personal status relationship status you know it's not just we don't just want better for one area 
that might be our focus right now is, you know, getting um, more money. So we might be striving for better in that realm. But generally, as we walk along the path of life, we are looking to get better in every area. And I think the idea of wanting better and that real need from it comes from recognizing the gap between where we are and where we think we would like to be, where we think that happiness starts and seeing the gap between here and there. That's what fuels the dissatisfaction and fuels that need to, you know, bridge the gap to get better. Yeah, exactly. It's that line, that, that, that happiness line, like, you, when you're looking ahead, where is that line? And for some people, it's a long way away. For others, it's close. But for most of us, as soon as we get close to it, it shifts further away again mm-hmm. and further Absolutely. away And because there's always something else. And it's a real battle. And I honestly believe that the key to happiness is acceptance of where you are now. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean complacency. It doesn't mean going, all right, so... I'm, I think that I'm deficient in these areas of parenting and that might damage my kids, but that's okay because I'm accepting where I am. Like <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm sort of also saying there's, there's this, a combination of acceptance of where you are and um, wanting to be a better version of yourself um, there is that mix there, but you can actually separate from the whole striving for happiness thing as part of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And look, I'm, I want to tease that apart even further because I think a way to really wrap your head around that feeling, and I'm pretty sure everyone can relate that feeling to that feeling of wanting better or wanting more. And I think mm. then if you drill down into that, we can kind of separate it into two categories. We can drill down into that wanting better that is internally motivated and we'll go through a few of those and wanting better that is externally motivated. So internally Mm. motivated, I want to discuss that first. So that's your, like you were saying, striving to be a better person. So if you recognise some deficiencies in your parenting and you think I really, you know, what parent doesn't want Mm. the best for their kids, I want to improve so I, you know, I want to I want to learn more and I want to become a better parent. I want to become more connected with my kids or with, you know, my husband yeah. or, you know, my friends or whatever. Those kind of drives that come from internal, you know, you can't Instagram being a more, um, mm. a, you know, a better parent. You can you can Photoshop all you want <laughs> of try. being a great yeah. parent. You can, yeah, you can try. But it, when it comes down to it, actually being a better parent is something yeah. that's motivated internally. I think education is a similar thing if if it's not if you're not doing this to claim more status but because you want to know more about a topic or you want to mm. be able to understand the way something works that that education can be internally motivated I know my husband has this we always have this discussion about he loves knowing how things work and it's not because yeah. he will stand around at a cocktail party talking about ones and zeros <laughs> and how text displays on a you know computer screen he just likes to know when he's tapping on the keyboard and the letters are popping up how that comes to be I have no interest (laughs) I do not care I just need to know that it works when I need it to work that's my level of care but and so he doesn't he doesn't try and educate himself on how stuff works yeah to spout it out to people Mm. and and act like a brain he just it is an internal thing for him where he just wants to understand, wants to know. So that kind of education that comes from just a desire to understand, I think that can be really internally motivated. Can you think of some others, Beck? Yeah, I think looking after your health is something that is another one that's more internally motivated. And and I don't mean, you know, wanting to have the big bum and the tiny waist and the tan and all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm talking about having your cholesterol at healthy levels and being able to run around after kids without losing breath, being able to walk up a flight of stairs without having breath, without having to go on lots of medications and those kinds of things, you know, trying to improve our health for, for those reasons uh, I think would be another internally motivated one. Mm-hmm. And mental health too because, I mean, you can yeah. – uh, 
you can try and spout off about doing yoga that many times a week. But if you're doing things, if you're meditating or doing yoga, or if you're talking to someone because you don't feel okay, you know, if you're doing things to protect your own mental health, those kind of things, striving and like setting goals and striving to be better when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, Mm. And it comes from you feeling like, not that you're inadequate by society's standards, but you're inadequate by your own standards. Then I think, I think it all comes from a good place. I think if you feel like, you know, I feel like I need, I I need more motivation to get out of bed in the morning. So I'm going to put some stuff in place to do better with that. I'm going to try and, you know, set some rituals in the morning that I look forward to. Those kind of things that all come from that deep centered place that's kind of unadulterated by society. That is all, I think that's all really healthy, general striving to be a better version of yourself rather than, you know, coming from external, external measures. And, you know, when you're doing something that is for others mm-hmm. as well. So if you're wanting to be, you know, let's say you want to be a better friend because you feel like your friends are feeling neglected by you, for example, um, then you taking some action to be more connected uh, in your friendships in order to help your friends is something that is in, more internally motivated than than anything else uh, and you're not if you're not doing it so that you've got more outings to post on instagram about um more selfies around the dining table then you know then it is it's, it is internally motivated of course if you're just doing it so that everyone who's following you thinks that you've got lots of friends <laughs> mm. then that's not um, not the internally motivated that's externally motivated so doing things that are going to benefit other people as well is something that comes from within I think that's a perfect way to lead into that whole, so this whole chapter of externally motivated inputs, that, you know, to try and be better. And the first one is the whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses. And I feel really sorry for people with the last name Jones. I know some lovely, yeah. I've got some really good friends whose last name is Jones, but I always talk about keeping up with the Joneses. And yeah. <laughs> But that, that idea that there are people on your block, on your street or on the school run that have better, that look better, that do better, Mm. and that you think that happiness resides at that point. So that's where where you're headed. And I don't, these mythical creatures, the Joneses, I don't know why we think that they've got it all together and we don't. Yeah. No, that's the thing. They don't. And the thing is you are also a Jones. Everybody is a Jones. There Mm -hmm. is always somebody who has less than you who is trying to keep up with you. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it that way, just you're just like, well, then that does make no sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why Why would it? And that's the thing. We're all Joneses and we're all trying to keep up with the Joneses. And the thing is the Joneses are just as, as miserable as us and they're broke and they're unhappy and they, they fight with their, their family and they are unhappy in their jobs or, you know, all of those kinds of things are just as common with the Joneses as they are with the non-Joneses. And it's this, like you said, this mythical creature that we build up in our mind. And so, and the older I get, the more I see that appearances are just, just nothing, nothing like reality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, I mean, how many times have you found out that a couple have broken up and you've thought, what? Them? Really? They had, had it all so together. Love. Yeah. 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 And you're like, but, but they did this and they did this and, and I could see them doing this. And, and it's like you, you've got no idea. You've you've got no idea that this couple that were loving in public had their issues and had things that were insurmountable. And and you know also the the cars. You know you look around at the cars and that are driven. And you know if you realise how many of those cars are um, people are in debt for them, and mm-hmm. it's the only thing that they own, or or something like that. You know it's we we just forget to look. At the reality of things and we we sort of imagine this perfection that doesn't exist and I'm sure there are some there are some people out there who have got it all and that's cool but most most people don't and so you know and I know lots of people with loads of money that are miserable and lots of people who have perfect houses that you know worry that it's not they're not good enough and so it's just we just invent this of fabrication um that makes us feel miserable yeah and so 
Getting technical, there's a little part of our brain. Oh, this is testing my knowledge. I think it's like at the <laughs> base of your skull. It's got a whole lot of, you know, nerves and fibres and stuff going to it. That's pretty technical, isn't it? Um, it's, <laughs> called, it's called your reticular activating system. And this thing, oh, it's like needs a good slapping. Basically, <laughs> what it does is it filters out the unnecessary information so that's a quite an important job. You know how you can be in a room with 20 kids, but if your kid yells and like there's all this noise and you can kind of mm. filter that out and have a conversation with another person. But if your kid yells out, mum, turn your head, like yeah. you can kind of like that's your reticular activating system. It okay. kind of filters out the rubbish. And that's why, you know, things like when you're, you know, when you're, uh, trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you suddenly see all these people mm. that are pregnant but beforehand you yeah. never noticed it it's that it's this is the part of your brain that does that yeah. kind of switches on to things now this part of your brain so it is useful we you know don't slap it too hard but <laughs> one thing it does do which is quite annoying is it seeks out information that validates your beliefs so mm. when you are Looking at those people, the mum on the the school pickup whose hair is immaculate, who, you know, is always dressed in beautiful clothes, drives her huge car, you know, looks like her life is perfect, looks like she has a lot of money, looks like she's well-educated, keeps it all together, whatever it is that you're striving for. When you see her, your reticular activating system filters out all the stuff that is un, or it perceives as unnecessary and validates the things you're already thinking. So if you're thinking her life is perfect mm. and she's really happy, you won't notice the day that she comes in and looks a bit red in the eyes probably. You will notice when she's laughing and smiling with friends or when her mm. children run to her and give her a big hug because your brain wants to prove itself right and prove its point. So when you start looking at people that you think have it all, Nine times out of ten, you don't get the whole picture because you filter out the stuff you don't believe. If you believe those people are genuinely happy, they're the cues your brain picks up on to reinforce mm. that information. You're like, but I've seen them. I've seen, I've seen mm. Brad Pitt. He looks so happy. He has everything. <laughs> well, hang on. <laughs> you stop if you actually took got a look at the whole picture, you would, you know independently you would see that his life is not perfect, but your brain will just feed you the stuff that tells you it is. Um, Mm. that's the belief that you've got so I think there's there's a bit of you know scientific evidence around that as well that we're always looking to validate that idea that the people that have more are happier because that's what we've been told and that's what we seek to validate is that the same thing as confirmation bias yeah yeah just another way of putting it but okay yeah yeah we do that to ourselves don't we Mm mm-hmm and I, I think this whole external motivation to be better as well comes from something inside us, inside us that is attempting to prove to others that we are worthy as well. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that comes back to, you know, schoolyard stuff and trying to get in with the cool group or what, like that we're worthy of people's time, that we're worthy of people's attention. It's like... We we feel like if we don't have enough or don't look enough or don't appear to be enough that we are not enough and those things are not mm. related. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting though. I mean because that's not such a bad thing. Having to prove our worth to others does make us strive to be better people. And I, I remember someone saying, you know, oh, we shouldn't judge others. And I'm like, judging others is what keeps us all from doing really awful things. <laughs> and so, like, mm-hmm. having people out there to judge you is, you know, actually not a bad thing. But I think, like, proving our worth is a good thing. It's what we it's what we rate as worth. It's what we see worth as being. It that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, the, the measure the measuring sticks are wrong. We are measuring yeah. worth on the fanciness of your car or yeah, your, yeah. your annual salary rather than uh, how much time you give to helping people in need. <laughs> yeah, know, like- exactly, exactly. Or how kind you are and how you make other people feel around you. You know, yeah. those kind of measures are pushed aside in a, a lot of minds and unfortunately the, you know, how white your teeth are is is sort of jostles itself to the front and that's sort of how we how culture 
because culture prioritizes a lot of those things, we end up internalizing that. And so then we try to measure up against those measures because those are the ones that we feel are the most important and unconsciously a lot of the time too. Uh, whereas, you know, if we can step back a little bit and, and say, okay, this is what, this is what makes me worthy. Uh, so I'm going to strive for this instead of what all of everyone else might think makes me worthy. Mm. I think, yeah, this the ideals that we set for ourselves. If we look at them so often, they're not they're not set for us by us. <laughs> they're set for oh, us by absolutely. others. You know, and yeah. if if you are striving to do better in an area of your life, just ask yourself the question of: Is it Instagrammable? <laughs> Because so, or is it? Is this uh, striving something I could paste post on Facebook? Because if it is, chances are it's not internally motivated. If this is something that you think you can photograph and brag about, then it's probably something that you have picked up externally that someone else has told you is better or is closer to that bubble of happiness. And so you're trying to put it out there to show people that you're you know, on that path as well, and you're getting there. Because a lot of the things that really intrinsically motivate us to be a, a better person that come from internal are not things that you can capture in an image. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the things that you can capture in an image and you, you do want to uh, are, are unlikely to be internally motivated. And and a lot of people will say, oh, but I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting fitter for me. I'm doing it for me. And... I think okay, that's that's fine. If you're doing it for you, can you tell me why you're posting before mm. and after pictures of yourself? Like, you can look at those before and after pictures to motivate you, but how does showing them to 400 people make it about you? Uh, and I'm definitely not bagging anyone who does this because people can choose to do whatever they want. But for those of us that are trying to fight this culture of better, it's a good yardstick. It's a good measure of, you know, am I am I really am I part of the culture of better, and am I in within that, or am I fighting it um, mm-hmm. a little bit? And so that's a, a bit of a measure of, you know, like you said, if you can photograph it, then you're you're probably within the culture of better rather than than fighting it. And that's fine if it's a choice, but the awareness is a really good thing um, for our our mental well being. Yeah, and I think. If you can if you can photograph it and you're doing it to inspire others or motivate others because you had an internal motivation and you believe others should find that internal motivation too. So if it's something around your health and you you know, I was, you know, I had type two diabetes, blah, 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 blah. Um, now I've lost weight, I've done this, and my life is um is so much more I don't want to use the word better. <laughs> Fulfilling and healthy. Fulfilling, yeah. I can I can play with my kids. I, you know, don't lose breath when I'm I'm walking to the mailbox. I, you know, mm. have a much longer lifespan, blah, blah, blah. And I want to motivate you to do the same for your own health. You know, mm. I think it get the lines can get really blurry there yeah, about can. whether if you're ju- if you're doing it because you want people to praise you, then it's maybe not the the aim or the the goal it's maybe not motivated by the right reasons but if you're doing it to educate others that it's possible and that the journey is worth taking then mm, maybe yeah Yeah. there is a line it's a blurry line but Mm. yeah there there is that there are those two sides to it for sure I think the other thing that really feeds into this external motivation is the access we now have to other people's lives and Mm. I was thinking the other day that the term FOMO or fear of missing out it's only been around for a while like why I never we never used that term when I was a teenager or I never remember my parents ever using the you know well obviously they didn't call it FOMO but (laughs) I never remember them talking Mm. about missing out on stuff and there might have been certain feelings but it was not like a catch cry that that I think Mm. previous generations have used and I wonder if that is because back then we didn't know how much we were missing out on we couldn't be out having dinner with a group of friends and check in and see what other friends that are not with us are doing and wish we were there instead of being present where we are because you just couldn't do that you might talk to that person a day later when they ring you on the landline and say how was your night it was great we did this oh we did this but while you're there you're fully present because you can't actually be anywhere else where now 
we can be in a location, have our heads in our phones and simultaneously be experienced you know, experiencing other people on the other side of the world having a holiday, someone purchasing this, someone else in the, you know, Mm. pub next to your pub having a drink with a different friend. You know, like you can be in so many places at once because we have access to each other's lives so easily now. But the problem also is that the the life that we have access to is the highlight reel and not the reality of it. So, you know, you're seeing, you see pictures of people all at a party and, you know, you think, you know, oh, I could be there or why wasn't I invited or I could be having fun instead of being on the couch uh, without sort of understanding what everything around that moment and everything that's within that and that's behind those, the faces and, and what's going on behind. When I was, when I was in Bali last week, we had like a, a pretty bad day and I actually took a selfie and it was interesting because I was I had a I have a medical condition called anhydrosis and we'd I managed to survive the walk up the volcano with a spray, spray bottle in my hand and constant spraying of my face and um, we only had it we had a guide and there was just the three of us um, so we could stop any time we wanted and so I could do all of that so I managed to cope with the the volcano ride but then we decided to go on a bike ride a couple of days later and I did not survive that one and my anhydrosis flared uh, Mick accidentally rode the wrong way and he took the spray bottle with him (laughs) and so I had nothing to cool my face um, because anhydrosis means you don't sweat so you get heat stroke very quickly and very easily Mm. and so without my spray bottle I overheat my head overheats extremely quickly and so without so I didn't have the spray bottle for a while and we ended up having to sort of quit this this magical activity this great fun activity we had to quit it halfway through because I just uh, my anhydrosis just um, induced a, a heat stroke and so I took a selfie of us and my my face had cooled down by then so I wasn't quite as red but I looked a bit miserable and Mick it just as I went to take the selfie I kind of nudged him and he was next to me and he was eating or something he looked up and he just made this face this uh face <laughs> and there's like the two of us with these uh faces and I almost posted it to Instagram to say look you know it, there's there's downfalls to holidays it's not all you know wonderful and I didn't post it and I sort of think about like I, I actually think I should have posted that because all of those people that were sitting in cold places while I was on holidays thinking, oh, like I wish, like isn't mm-hmm. Rebecca lucky she's off in Bali instead of going, oh, God, Rebecca's got heat stroke and she's really miserable <laughs> and, you know, she's embarrassed and she's this and she's that and, you know, she fell off a bike and she did this and because we had a pretty bad day, you know, I fell off a bike, Mick went the wrong way, um, I, I got those uh, heat, heat stroke and, and, you know, there was a lot of things that, that didn't go right that day. And I just, I sort of thought I probably should have posted that just to let people know, because even though we kind of know it deep down, we forget it when we look at the fun pictures. And yeah. it's it's one of those things that, that we do, we tend to forget all of the bad things that happen because we don't post them, just like I didn't post it, because I looked awful. <laughs> and it's, it was so vain of me, you know, to not do that. But it's what everybody does. They go, yeah. oh, like, I look awful. I'm not going to post that because I look mm. awful. And so we have to remember that when we're looking at things, that there's a dozen other experiences that these people have had that haven't been that wonderful. There's, they don't look that good all the time. There's a certain angle, oh, yeah. there's a filter, how many, all how that How many kind selfies of do you take and you've got a double chin in them and then you go, oh, don't <laughs> want to we'll keep going until we get one. And then the one that comes up, people think, oh, they've just whipped out the camera and snapped the perfect <laughs> selfie. Oh, no, no, that's number 16 because I was horrendous in <laughs> all the others. Like, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. I watched in Bali, I watched so many women um posing mm-hmm. for photos and i found it really interesting to watch and there was so much about it was a so much of a focus on photo i one one woman in particular had her husband take photos of her on a, on a balcony and overlooking this amazing view and i was watching her the whole time and none of the poses were real she kept going and checking and telling it he, she eventually had him standing on a chair um, so that the angle could be right. And they spent half an hour away from their table with, I think, one of their parents. One of their, There was some old, an older couple that would have been a set of parents. And they spent all this time away from the table when they could be sitting there and eating and talking. And it was a half an hour. And she made him go back about three times and she kept checking the photos. But they'd go and sit down. Then she'd be back again to take more photos. And I just found it really interesting. Like I do 
think that there's a lot of art in photography, um, but I also think that it's being taken over by an unrealistic um, portrayal of, of what life is really like as well. Mm. Mm. Somewhere but- hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> <I think. laughs> um, there's a really interesting section, um, the little cartoon reel that tells the story of stuff by Annie Leonard, and I'll put a link to this mm. in the show notes. And it's a really nice thing that goes through, you know, all the things we think about when we're not, you know, or, or sorry, all the things we don't think about when we're just acquiring new goods. But there's this tiny little snippet in the middle there somewhere that talks about acquiring more. And I love it. And the image just, it always stays with me. So someone come, works at a hard day, gets home, looks at their TV, you know, because they're exhausted from work. They sit down in front of the TV and, you know, watch TV and the ads and the shoes tell them that their life isn't good enough. They need more. Uh, life would be better if they bought XYZ, let's say a t-shirt. So they go to the shop, they buy the t-shirt and then they go to work next day and they've got to work a little bit harder because now they have to pay for the t-shirt. And because they work harder, they get home at the end of the day and they're too exhausted to do anything else. So they just sit down in front of TV, watch TV, TV tells them their mm. life's not good enough. They need whatever else. Uh, they go to the shop, they buy that then they have to go to work the next day and work harder. And like this cycle and it's a really simplistic and it shows him kind of walking around the globe, just working, <laughs> sleeping, watching TV, shopping, you know, and it goes on and on. And I'm like, <gasps> it just, I think because it's so simple, it really resonates. It's like that is that's yeah. what we do. We, we buy yeah. more and then we look at the, you know, and like you said, the line always moves. The goalposts are always shifting. We always think, right, yeah. when I have that thing, I will be happy we get there and we never look back. We always just look forward and go, right, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing, and just leave Yeah, yeah. We never look back and say, you know, I'm really glad, I'm really happy that I've got a car that doesn't break down anymore. Instead you're you're going, oh, I wish I had a car that had Apple Play integration. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's just not, there's just nothing. Yeah, we never look back. And looking back I think would be, it would really help us a great deal to think how far we've come instead of how much further we have to go and and just deciding that where we are is the destination you know mm. and and the, this is the, and that you know and that's that story of stuff is all about that the consumerism and and this is why we have cluttered lives this is why we have too much stuff and this is why we don't have enough time mm-hmm. it's because we are always wanting more and so we try and do more and we try and work more and we try and own more and that's what causes us to be become cluttered I mean obviously there's all mental health effects as well um, but by cluttered I also mean that that mental clutter and this whole striving to be better instead of looking at where we are and saying I have enough I am enough and I don't need any more to make me happy because I can be happy where I am right now yeah and I think what we probably are trying to achieve you know, through all through this podcast, rather than and I, I don't think we have this pervading message of once your house is decluttered, you'll be happier. But I think there is something that comes with decluttering, which is that increased awareness of objects, why you're buying them, and mm. and the heart of it is once you have more space and less stuff, it's like you kind of you have this mental shift. So the acquisition becomes less automatic you know you start Mm. you know bringing intention to that but also when you're less focused on stuff and acquiring stuff and maintaining the stuff and sorting the stuff you kind of you start making the space for the things that are really important and it's those things that then kind of center you again and make you Mm. focus on where you are right now and so I think there's something I just wanted to kind of draw that little line that although we are encouraging people <laughs> to to declutter um, and make themselves less cluttered, it's not that happiness resides at the end. It's just that through the process of that, I think you just gain a greater understanding of yourself and your motivations yeah. and you are going to get closer to feeling fulfilled when you stop just filling your house with things. Yep, well said. Hmm. So the other thing I think is almost comical about us always wanting more and striving for better is how so often it does not fit with our values at all like you can get (laughs) people that say how environmentally minded they are and yet 
will swap <laughs> phones and electronics yeah. for every new gadget that comes out. We'll buy clothes that are made in um, places that, you know, pollute streams, that people care about others' welfare and are a really kind and generous person, but then buy clothes that are made by people in sweatshops in Asia. And it's like this real conundrum of people have these values they say and then through striving to be better they Mm. completely ignore how that relates to their values yeah and we do it unconsciously we we sort of well we almost deliberately ignore it don't we because it's inconvenient Uh, Mm. but we all do it we're not you know no one's immune to that it's just yeah it's something that it does help if we can become a little bit more aware of it and you know it doesn't mean you have to be you know little miss perfect it just means having that awareness means that you can then focus a little bit more on the things that that do fit with your values and and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to stop buying anything because that because you know you're kind to your friends and so therefore you should be kind to everyone it's it's more about understanding that and focusing more on um, the things that do align with your values you know? and I think I told this this I think I said this in another podcast earlier and I don't know which one it is but we've got this uh, culture gives us a message about our children and how we have to enroll them in every single activity that that exists and, and to make it because everything that they want to do we should let them do so we should let them play five different sports and and two instruments because they love it and so therefore we should do it because it will make them better and we we culture tells us to do that but culture also well and research also tells us that people who have family meals together uh, or children who are part of families who eat together tend to have higher levels of success in all areas of life later in life which is really interesting but if you want your child to be happy now and do all of their activities you can't sit down and have meals every night and so that goes against that that mm-hmm. whole long-term effect of having family meals together, uh, which is a proven sort of proven in a study, so we do have this uh, a little bit of a paradox there, where you know we, it is difficult for us somehow to separate our behaviours from our values and separate our values from what uh, our society tells us we should should be doing, and and just focus on them a little bit more. And I think when you think about what's really important, you do end up coming down to the things that actually aren't related to stuff Mm. and we seem to pick and choose it's quite funny like I will follow this person because they're you know a great great at parenting you know and they always talk about you know connecting with their kids and one-on-one time and they you know they're always there at every you know school performance or assembly or whatever and then but you kind of ignore anything else in their life that's what you tune into them for so you compare yourself to that person who is a pair who is that is their, their core focus then you look at someone else and go oh she's amazing she's you know does all these uh you know boot camps and she does yoga and she does this and she's you know her figure is amazing and she's really healthy and I'm going to compare my health to her now she might not have kids not have you know, a job, not have anything else. We're not comparing on those aspects. We pick mm. the fittest, healthiest, most beautiful person to compare our bodies to. Then we find the next person who is someone that's all about cooking and whole foods and nutrition and we compare what we cook with it. So we like pick and choose these mm. people that have like an, one aspect of their life, you know, really honed down and looking perfect and decide that we should compare ourselves in yeah. every different realm to what these 10 people are achieving I want to achieve at that same level in my own life all areas yeah Yeah. no wonder (laughs) we feel dissatisfied and frustrated that we can't you know do anything well but it's I think if you've got people to really sit down and write a list about what is really intrinsically important to them so people will sit down and write family connection Mm -hmm. with my children and then you go right now yeah how does how does your life support that and it's like oh well you know so I work a really um you know really long days because we earn a lot of money because I want a beautiful house so that my kids can live but your kids are never in the house because you work such long hours that they're always at before and after school care which is fine but like I think people get so lost along the path of thinking you know what is really important is this 
And for, in order to have that, I need this and this and this and this. And we get so far off track that it's like, well, hang on, bring it back. If your initial, you know, reason for doing this was to support your kids, you've you've got so far off track that now you're actually not supporting your kids because you're so wrapped up in paying mm. for something to support your kids. Um, and I, I know, you know, everyone's in a different situation and, and you never really know the detail, but I think sometimes we just don't take the opportunity to step back and look yeah. at it, look at the bigger picture. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, you go. No, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> um so I have a thing in my life at the moment which I'm really really trying hard to not do better, but it is a battle <laughs> and that is my phone. So I currently have an iPhone 5 and for people that don't know that's like that was around when the dinosaurs were around so (laughs) Zoe's got a five and she's it's dying I was um, gonna say to give you context most of my 11 year olds friends have newer phones than me but (laughs) my I am trying to do this to teach my kids Mm-hmm. that I don't because actually my phone is fine it takes photos and only a few years ago I was amazed at how good that camera was compared yeah. to the phone I had before and all of a sudden now it's like oh wow my photos aren't as clear as everyone else's well you know what a couple of years ago this was the latest tech and uh, and I was really happy to have this but it still works it does everything I need it to do. I can still get onto all my socials if I need to. I can, you know, to be fair, I could probably get away with a, an old Nokia that I had when I was 20 because <laughs> mainly I just use it to call and text like a, you yeah. know, like an old person does. But um, <laughs> it's the whole thing. And my kids keep saying, Mum, why don't you get a new phone? And I said, because, you know, what's the point that we – go through we try so hard to reduce the plastic that we consume and we you know we do all these things day in day out and then I'm just going to go and buy new tech just because I can because like I said to the kids it's not it's not that we can't afford for me to have a new phone it's not broken I don't it mm. does, if it didn't do if it didn't have the functionality that I needed then maybe I would look to upgrade but until it gets to that point I'm not getting rid of it and it's really hard and it, I find it I still go, oh, I get almost embarrassed if I hand my phone over to people to, to take a photo and I think, oh, they must Isn't be that like- funny? Isn't that funny though? I, I read a quote um, or it was a quote or it was, I can't remember what it was, but basically I think it was from Becoming Minimalist and they said we're all we're embarrassed about the wrong things, aren't we? Mm. Like being embarrassed that you've got an old phone, it should be the other way around. You should be proud. Like wouldn't it be great if culture valued if our, if our society valued people hanging on to things as long as possible yeah. until they were properly broken, um, you know, it should be something that, that you can be proud of instead of worrying about being, you know, ashamed of. Yeah. And you, we, can, we can surround ourselves with people who can make us feel, can help us feel proud of those things. Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of this, the way we feel about other people's lives and our own lives does have a lot to do with who we hang around and who we watch. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're, if you're spending a lot of time with or you're following people who who do all have iPhone 5s or have the Nokia flip phone, then then you'd, you're not going to feel embarrassed. It's only when you are exposed to people that are likely to mock you that you will. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 we just, we're just valuing all the wrong things, aren't we, culturally? Yeah, and that's where, you know, people are quite happy to post about the plight of this or that, the mm. environment or climate change, but then will go and upgrade their car to some fuel-sucking monster just to drive <laughs> the kids to soccer practice and home. And it's like, well, hang, you can't have it both both ways. You can't ram it down my throat, throat about climate change on Facebook and then upgrade your car, like ride your mm. bike or get a little car that doesn't use as much petrol. You know, why does – but we seem like – you know, we choose the areas mm. that we think we want to be better in and then ignore yeah. how they yeah. relate to our values. And it's so, so true. I mean, I have the same thing with a car at the moment. I am getting to the point where I need to upgrade the car and um, we've Zoe gets her licence next February and so she, she'll need a car unless 
I want to be at home without a car while she takes mine. And so we were sort of the plan was to buy a new car and um, sell her ours um, for and probably nothing if she's not earned any money by then, <laughs> but we, we do want her to pay for it. And and that's that. And I'm I'm sort of struggling with that as well as you know do I do I buy what do I buy do I do I buy something that is new and it has all of the little things that I want or do I buy something that is you know ec- economical and you know, it's that balance of aligning yeah not being a hypocrite like mm. I just I just want to be careful I don't be a hypocrite and I think I've done okay I mean the car that I've got at the moment is it's eight n- nine years old mm-hmm. eight or nine years old so it's it's getting it's getting up there in age and so we haven't just upgraded for the sake of it but I still sort of feel uh, a little bit of a, a concern about upgrading anyway but I mean it's we do need a third car we're going to need one unless if I don't want to be losing my car all weekend mm. every weekend <laughs> because I'm sure it will disappear and you know she's already getting shifts at work you know really early on Sunday mornings and evenings and stuff like that so she'll be taking my car if I don't if we don't have one for her but yeah that's something I'm battling with as well yeah and I guess we should probably round this all this discussion out with what the the answer is we need an oracle to come in and <laughs> tell us what the answer to this problem is <laughs> and I must admit I don't have it but I have a few things that I think can really help with it and the first one for me and this is a new practice of mine I've only been doing it for a few months now but that is being grateful um, mm. or employing some kind of gratitude system or process um, and I find it's for me personally, and I've written about this on my blog. It I found it really useful to um, not just think about what I'm grateful for, but actually mm. write it down because I feel actually, like it you should has put more a, impact. Put a link to that in the show notes because I shared that on my Facebook page mm-hmm. and it got a great response. People loved it, so definitely put a yeah. link to that because it's a really good article. Um, and I think it's that whole thing of you know if your 20 year old self looked at what you have now, they would probably think that happiness is at this point and we are all at this point thinking that happiness is where we'll be in five or ten years once we have all those other new things. And so if you don't take the time to stop and appreciate what you have, you will forever look forward. So I think that the practice of being grateful I think gets you a long way to not just living in the present but stopping always striving for better and kind of very closely linked with gratitude is also mindfulness and you know not not projecting yourself beyond your current point if you're drinking a beautiful cup of coffee just stop and enjoy your cup Mm. of coffee and appreciate it and stop thinking about you know how much better this will taste in the new fancier keep cup (laughs) whatever it is that you're striving for um just be with the people that you're with in the moment and enjoy that. Be mindful, be present. And I think between that and gratitude, that will get you a long way to, you know, stepping back a bit from this insane culture of better. Have you got some ideas, yeah. Beck, of what else we could do? Yeah, um, those, are, those are my top two as well, the, the gratitude and the mindfulness. And, and the gratitude doesn't have to be, you know, I am grateful for everything I have, you know, and writing that down every day. It, it can. It's just small things like, you know, actually, when we were in Bali, we were standing on this lookout, and there were these this huge, beautiful vista of these these twin lakes down below us. And the guide said, "How does it make you feel?" And I was like, "Oh, what? Okay." And I said, "Oh, well, it's very beautiful." And he said, I'm "Grateful, right? You're grateful." And I said, "Yes, I am." <laughs> you know, and it's so. And I hadn't thought of it that way. I just thought I was enjoying a beautiful view. But when he said, "You're grateful, right?" And I went, yeah, I I am, and and we we forget that, like we forget to be grateful for little things that that sort of whiz past us, you know, every every now and then, and instead we we might be glad they're there or we might enjoy them, but we forget to actually be grateful for them. Uh, so even just in small moments throughout the day, you can be grateful for, you know, just about everything. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's 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 a really good thing. Um, I was thinking as well while you were talking about another way to to sort of counteract this culture of better is to 
start eschewing things like fast fashion and fast homewares and fast decorating and stop thinking that the latest is always the best or the newest is always the best because, you know, if you think about like I, f- I follow a um, one interior design decorator on Instagram because she's a, an old school friend and she's got a beautiful style and I love her style. But I was looking at it and I was thinking, you know, in in 10 years' time, or five years' time or one year's time, people will look at that and go, ugh, gross, whereas now mm-hmm. they're like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. I, if you sit the amount of pink bathrooms that get ripped out of 60s houses these days is amazing. And in the last five to ten years, people have just looked at these pink bathrooms and gone, ew, gross, must mm-hmm. get rid of everything pink. And now what's happening in bathrooms these days? They're all pink and pink <laughs> bathrooms are all the thing. And it's just like, <laughs> really? <laughs> I just, it's just really like everything, everything goes in and out. And it, trying to keep up means trying to keep up with fashion and trying to keep up with interior design fashion, like close fashion and interior decorating fashion is fruitless. Like mm-hmm. you just, you're never going to catch up and there's always going to be something new to want. And this is what a thing I have against Kmart and homewares and cheap homewares is that everybody every six months goes, oh, I can have a whole new look for the house. And mm-hmm. so they go and buy whole more, more stuff. And then six months later, they're like, oh, gross, that's ugly. I'm going to buy more, you know, and I'm going to go and buy these. Aren't they cool? Aren't they pretty? And it's just like, I understand the need to have things around you that you find beautiful, but why is it that we only find beautiful the things that are currently in fashion? Yeah, and that that's that whole point of the goalpost moving. And I think you need to sit yourself down and define what you want, not what society says you should want. What do you really want? And And see if you can tease out what you think would bring you joy versus what the world tells you will bring you joy because if you can really define that um then the goalposts won't move if you you know yes things might get tired and eventually break but it won't just be this cycle of it's cool it's not cool it's cool it's not cool Mm. um you know you stop following the trends and and that goes with everything not just not just fashion and homewares, you know, what I really want from my phone is to be connected. I want to be able to call someone if I need and text if I need because all the social stuff is not critical to my existence. I will survive without it. And if I really need to do it, I can do it when I get home on the iPad. So Mm. that's what I need my phone for. Does my current phone meet those needs? Yes. Okay, cool. And that's Mm. what I have to keep reminding myself every time I feel the pressure to get a fancy phone. And it's like, what was, what's the point of this phone? Yes. Does its camera still work? Yes. Okay, cool. Done. Boxes ticked. Stop moving the goalposts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and I, I, I sort of think the same and I was thinking about, you know, our bathroom, one of our bathrooms which we we put in um, in 2002, 2001, something like that. So, you know, it's it's dated uh, but I I still love it. I don't know. I still love it. And I think that, you know, if, if you can still, if you put something in, if you've bought something, if you've decorated something some way, then if you've done it in a way that is true to you, it's not going to date. It might fall apart and you have to replace it and that's cool, but it's not going to date And because dating is it's a construct, it's a social construct, it's not within you. And so you, you, if, you look, if you love something when you bought it, you should love it five years later even though it's no longer trendy anymore mm-hmm. and so so going back to what you really want means that you know you are less likely to to want to change things and and you know and I really do admire people who have the same decor you know that they've had for the last however many years and sometimes I look at it and think it's ugly but that's cool I don't have it so I don't have to like it or not like they have it they they liked it they they do their thing so mm-hmm. it's just yeah we just need to yeah Stop moving the goalposts, like you said. Yeah, and and if you hang around with a group of people that are all about the things and that 
spend their catch-up time with you talking about the new this and the new that that they bought and have you seen this and, you know, Mm. then maybe distance yourself from those people or say to them, look, you know, I'm trying really hard to work on the things that internally make me better and I, you know, want to step away from, from always striving to have more. And so I'd really appreciate it if you stop telling me about all the new shoes you keep buying to <laughs> keep up with whatever the fashion is because that's not adding value to our conversation. I want to hear about, you know, what you've been doing with your yeah. family lately or what, you know, what like you don't have about. To, yeah. to block them. <laughs> you could <Yeah>. just... <laughs> You could just you can um, guide them in the direction yeah. of the conversation that you want to have, yeah, yeah, and then that way you can hopefully line up all of those things, your values and your um, needs, and you know start getting to that place where you feel that you are enough right now. You can be in the moment, you can be happy, and you know that better is comes from things that you you want for you, not that others tell you that you need, yeah. Yeah, and and remember that striving for always better in order to be happy stops you from being happy now. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.